Hello again, Pastor Deborah here. Welcome. We are in another part, another episode of a wonderful true story about me, Pastor Deborah. I have been telling my story of spiritual transformation called It's Time. This took many years of my life to happen, and we're going slowly through it so that you can learn what spiritual transformation looks like on the inside of you. I went through a powerful, powerful transformation in my spirit and in my soul. And this is the story called It's Time. We are in the School of Light, and it is in the playlist called The Kingdom of Agape Love, Volume number one. In volume number two, I'm going to tell you true stories about how the spiritual transformation worked, who I was working with, and how it is used today. If you recall, I had been a licensed clinical mental health counselor in the state of Florida in the United States of America, and I was nationally clinically certified as a clinical mental health counselor in the United States of America. I was trained, educated, had four to five years of graduate school. I think that was right. Maybe not. It may have been one or two years. Lots of classes. Lots of experience. I've worked in many different fields as a mental health counselor. Started off in a rehabilitation institute, working with a team of specialists, of physiatrists, social workers, occupational therapists, speech therapists, physical therapists, nurses, all kinds of doctors, neurology, orthopedics. I worked with children, teenagers, adults, and elderly who were inpatient and outpatient. So my days as an official licensed clinical mental health counselor began in a rehabilitation institute with inpatients. I also had experience early before that with inpatient and outpatient drug and alcohol patients at the local community mental health center years and years ago. Also, I had been a substitute teacher in high school, middle school, and elementary school. I was busy. Also, I'd volunteered in some community organizations. Then as my years as a licensed clinical mental health counselor, which probably started in about 1983, maybe 84, something like that, maybe 85, Uh, I became a member of the Florida Mental Health Counselors Association and the American Mental Health Counselors Association. At the American Mental Health Counselors Association, there was a subdivision called Mental Health Counselors. I joined that. I sat on three committees at the national level. I was on the Public Policy and Legislative Committee. We were responsible for writing public law, legislation, 
and lobbying our senators and congressmen in Washington. Then I was on the committee that wrote the uh, guidelines uh, for universities. And uh, we were trying to unify the educational requirements at the master's level for mental health counselors. I worked with college professors, traveled around to different universities, and I had become well acquainted with the university system, licensing in states. And so I was on that committee also. I think it was professional regulations, maybe, educational standards. Then I was the chairman of the nominating committee of the American Mental Health Counselors Association. I was responsible for a group of people as a leader, executive leader, and we would nominate people to be the next year's officers. Had a lot of conference calls, did a lot of work. Then at the same time, in the state of Florida, I was the District 1, as they call it, mental health counselor representative for the state of Florida. I would travel the state and have board meetings, fly freely, meet with other people from around the state of Florida, and I'd come back to my district and I'd hold meetings, had newsletters, trying to inform those who were seeking licensure about what it would be like to be a professional mental health counselor. And for those who are already licensed, I was informing them of what was going on at the state level and the national level. So I had a lot of interactions in this profession. And as time went on, I went into private practice with a psychologist. We worked in nursing homes. I did IQ testing, social security disability testing, personality testing. I saw individual clients, did group work. I was a very busy person. And what happened was slowly I was being taken out of that and um, to help me in my spiritual transformation, although I did not know it at the time. But I was doing all of that, and then I was asked by the Lord, probably in about 1995, after about 10 years as a mental health counselor, to put my license down and to start learning how to help people, that's you, the Lord's way. I began at a church revival in 1995, about six weeks after Father's Day in June, going to this church called Brownsville Assembly of God. They were having a global revival with an evangelist named Steve Hill. I had never seen such a big church. I had been saved since I was three. I had been to churches on base, uh, in communes, or in college, probably tried every denomination possible. I was looking And when I got to Brownsville, there was beautiful music, and the preaching was very simple. Steve here would teach us God was in a hurry to reach other people around the world. He needed you to get cleaned up from your sin, so come down to the altar, ask God to forgive you, let him cleanse you spiritually, get a touch from him, get refreshed, and then get on with his business. This went on for five years. I went to church seven nights a week. One of those nights was a prayer meeting where we had beautiful banners, and we would go up to them and pray for different topics and subjects. 
and I did this for years. The revival went on after Steve Hill left in 2005. No, he left in 2000, I'm sorry. And I stayed on till about 2005, and then God, he had slowly moved me away from there. Too much evil spiritually had come in through people, through greed, through other issues, jealousy, and he removed me. I had gotten on the prayer team. I had been a member of the church, and I had gotten on the personal ministry team called the Deliverance Team. There on the Deliverance Team, I learned about demonic spirits, how to cast them out of people, how to break curses, how to deal with your ancestors. On the prayer team, I learned how to allow and be used as a conduit for God's power to flow through me to touch you. We would pray for you by placing our hand lightly like this on your forehead and say, touch them, Lord. And you usually would go, your physical strength would leave you and you would be on the floor and God would be free to touch your spirit. I went through that and I was on that team for years and years and years, as well as the deliverance team. I saw things that the mental health world would consider mental illness, schizophrenia, psychopath I had seen strange things I never was afraid but I knew I was in transition and I was being transformed and I knew God was helping me and was with me and he desired this for me so I could help you his way I didn't know what that meant and mental health counseling you really don't learn about spirituality you don't learn about how to pray with people or cast out devils or demons don't learn how to break ancestral curses or deal with many different strongholds in a person's life. You don't learn how to deal with the occult and, we'll say, witches and supernatural beings. So it was all new to me, the world that I was going into. So here on this video of It's Time, and it's called Story Number 28, and this is going to be Part Number 11. I want to use this motion video from Pixabay. It sort of represents that I am walking through this opening here to that light up there, through these jewels, and I am being transformed as I am going through it. I'm getting closer with every walk to the light. I didn't know it at the time. That's how I was living and learning. But each walk, was I was walking through and to something. So this story was written over many nights. I'd wake up and the Lord would write through me because it's always important to tell your story. I was never to write a book because this stuff is almost too unbelievable. But I have always been a very writing, uh, author, creator type of person. And I always I am looking and imagining things, seeing into the realm of the spirit. So here in part number 11, and I'm using the program called Zoom Pro to record on. And I'll put this through a wonderful video editing program I use called Femora Wondershare. I'll add some music and editing and titles and transitions to make it a nice video for you. So here in story number 28 called It's Time, part number 11. We're going to pick up where we left off.
First, let's open up with prayer so our hearts will receive these words. Dear Heavenly Father, the God of the authorized King James Bible, the God who created the earth and who created life itself, we come in your name through, through your master teacher, the Holy Spirit, to be taught. We submit ourselves as a spiritual disciple unto him. Open up your words of spirit and life. Let Pastor Deborah's story that you transitioned me to be become a wonderful true story in their eyes. Help it to see themselves and what spiritual transformation looks like. So they won't be frightened of it. They won't be ignorant of it. And they will understand. Father, we thank you for all that you have done and are doing to reach out with your agape love to all the people, catching them at death, in the womb at death, even going into hell yourself to reach them. Father, we know your heart's desire is to fulfill Isaiah 60, 61, and 62, to give them a Hebrews 4.12 spiritual circumcision and to fulfill the desires of your heart of not losing one of them no matter what. So, Father, be about your business as you teach through me the story of my spiritual transformation called It's Time. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. We're picking up in part number 11. We've been working through my story. My story began, and we're going to use some names to help you. I was born into a family where my mother's name was Sarah, My father's name was Joseph. They named my first name Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. My middle name was Jan. They never used to call me Deborah. They used to call me Deb or Debbie. But in the fifth grade, I changed my name by my own free will. I walked into my fifth grade class in Montgomery, Alabama. We had just been transferred to Montgomery, My father was still active duty in the Air Force. I walked into the class to be introduced. There was already a few Debbies in there, so I said, my name was Jan. I became Jan at that moment by my own will. I asked my parents to start calling me Jan, and they did. Many of my family members, of course, there's really just one left. My husband, my parents are gone. My brother is gone. They are up in heaven, and they're doing well. So this is about Jan, most of her life. And I'm telling you this so you can see how Jan died on a cross one day. And Pastor Deborah arose. But this is how it will happen inside of you. Jan was a part of my soul. Pastor Deborah was to be the spiritual ruler of the system of spirit and soul inside here. So let's pick up in part number 11. So Jan did all of this while she was raising her son. And what was I doing? Going to church seven nights a week. Working a job. Having a husband, a child. had Had my parents, my brother, people living with us. Busy time. So Jan did all this while she was raising her son. 
being a wife and working full time as a mental health counselor and being with her parents and even going through the death of her mother in her house in my living room exactly while two precious satanist young ladies with multiple personalities their name were Andrea and Jennifer were living in my home Jan learned after she got spiritually going into the deep spiritual ministry I was to be doing in the kingdom of darkness that she was not the first one called to do it from the revival in this revival I was the second choice and we're going to learn about that the coordinator was the first one chosen to help the people like Andrea and Jennifer and Amanda Isaac Victor and Hans and Gavin Raven and Robin many many others the coordinator was her name was Teresa but this mother of a precious young child had been called to do this work that I was doing she'd been called first but she became afraid for her two children when she started working with doing deliverance on and learning about multi-generational satanist who had multiple personalities and a lot of satanic issues that needed to be dealt with one such person had come to the revival service to threaten one of the preachers and the deliverance personal ministry team as well so the personal deliverance ministry team that pastor deborah was a member of took on this spiritual ministry of casting out of devils out of this particular person praying over them with blessings and for her personalities to integrate her name was dawn she had been seeing a psychiatrist and had multiple personalities we desired for her to be free and healed whole and for her to be one within herself this lady named teresa the first called teresa she was the coordinator of the deliverance team and she was called first i was sort of just a student in learning but i was praying for them these precious people don who had such tremendous issues it was hard to even go to church i couldn't praise and worship without crying for them so this lady don was her name she was from louisiana i believe not sure what city she was a praise and worship leader in a church in another state and had been receiving psychiatric therapy from a psychiatrist for several years but he thought he that the deliverance team would and could get her more spiritual help if she came over to Brownsville in Pensacola so she was referred to the personal ministry team 
that we were a part of, uh, that I was a part of at the revival. So she came for help. Jan was not involved in this ministry at first. Maybe a month or two went by. I had never met her. She did come and sit on the pew, but I did not have any interaction with her in a deliverance meeting. I was always in the sanctuary when she came over. Which I was very good at. But when the personal ministry team's coordinator, Teresa, her car was broken into at a healing conference in another city, she became very afraid of Satan and his attacks against her and her children so that she would never work with this Satanist again or with any witches or anyone from the occult again. She did not have enough faith and trust in the Lord and God to protect her and her family from Satan and his demonic spirits and their human spirits. So God went looking for a spiritual replacement and found Jan who was crying at every praise and worship time for God to help these people in the occult from trauma and abuse I would cry out to him to help them they were the most spiritually severely abused and controlled precious spiritual children of the kingdom of darkness. Jan was spiritually chosen for her agape love of these precious human spirits who were trapped in such horrible spiritual darkness, which means ignorance and fear, control and slavery, with no hope of any freedom except death. When you pray for other people, there are always listening ears. Every song of praise and worship, everything was a prayer to God about them. I told God he didn't need to do anything for me or my family. We were all saved and we'd be in heaven. But there were millions and millions who did not know him. My heart was breaking. I have a video in the King's International Spiritual Care University called the Valley of Tears. God will go looking for you when you're in prayer. He will listen to your petitions. He will see if you're trying to get blessings for yourself. He put me through a powerful test before he could really even anoint me. I was out in my backyard one day, cutting the grass. It's the story's called Three Days in the Desert. And when I was cutting the grass, I'd go into prayer to the Lord and go to the throne room. And this day, he wasn't there. The throne room was completely empty. And for three days, I searched heaven for him. Silence. And I would cry and cry because I wanted to be with him. I wanted to be in his presence. I wanted to talk to him. 
and he was nowhere around. And then I knew what was happening. He was asking me a question. What did I really care about? Being with him? Or having an anointing to do a ministry? Having a ministry that maybe I'd make millions of dollars with. Write books and get rich. Be a coordinator of something. Is that why I wanted to be with him? If he took all that away, I was asked. No anointing, no gifts, short life, no protection. Would I still love him? He wanted to know. You see, he is a rich man. And he doesn't know if you love him for the blessings, the gifts, the glory, or do you just want to be with him? When I said I was willing to give up everything, not a, not be in the ministry, not have any anointing, no gifts, I just wanted his presence. I passed the test. Many nights he would ask me not to even go to church, to work for him, but to stay home and sort of have a date with him, quietly by ourselves. You see, he's a rich man. He can get a lot of people with his blessings. People are begging him for him to do something all the time. But nobody really loves him. Just his father. And want to sit in his lap. And be with him. So he would ask me to stay at home. And have a date with him. Father-daughter date sort of. And I did. I got to be and still am very good. At knowing his moods. I can sense his joy. His sorrows. I can feel his tears. His excitement. I know his look in his eyes. I didn't know that at first. Now this is not Christ Jesus. This is the father himself. So I had to learn. What was really most important. So in this story called It's Time. You're going to hear about, as you said, you saw my calling. I wasn't the first chosen. But I heard Steve Hill say God was in a hurry. While we were playing games, people were dying and going to hell, and he would hold us responsible. So, when I cried out to God through tears for months and months, and I passed the test. I kept saying, God, help him, help him, please help him, help him. God, send somebody. I didn't even know what I was praying. Where were you going to send him? I didn't know. He said he would. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, I'm sending you. I said, no, sir, I don't know what to do. I don't know who they are. How do I help them? He said, I'm sending you. I will teach you. You will go for me into the darkness to reach them. So my transition began. Jan's heart had broken. Now Jan was giving way slowly. She didn't know it at the time to Pastor Deborah. So these stories are written here in this volume, volume one. For you to learn about. 
So let's get back more to It's Time. Life carried on for Jan with much spiritual training, testing, being attacked, tested for her faith in God's physical and spiritual protections against offenses from her brothers and sisters at the Brownsville Revival, sifting by Satan, and truth and spiritual knowledge was pouring in faster than ever. Jan could barely keep up, but keep up she did. For the evangelists had poured into all of those who came into the revival that God was in a hurry to work for people because people were dying and going to hell. And how Steve related us what that is about. Years ago, he had been in Argentine, Argentina. There was a powerful revival. A man who wasn't even a pastor had never gone to Bible school. He worked in a nuts and bolts factory. Started preaching to get the sin out. Demonics rose up. Power started happening. Gold teeth were happening. Things that Steve had never seen as an Assembly of God pastor. And Steve began hearing God's voice more clearly. And God asked him to go visit a man. And pray with him. Teach him. This man was not saved. And Steve put it off and delayed. And when he finally got around to it, the man was dead. God put the guilt for not for disobedience and the guilt of that this man went to hell on Steve for months. That's biblical. Because we are told if we know the truth and we are asked to go and we do not go and speak the truth to others, when they die, God will hold us accountable. So I knew that. So Steve told us how he had to carry this guilt for months and months and months for not going. So Steve had a personal experience that he knew God was in a hurry to reach people. And we were playing around in Christianity and religion. We didn't want to get the sin out of our lives. We didn't want to get clean. And I even saw that. that Many of the religious people quit They got tired of hearing about get the sin out. Come to the altar. I never did. When God pricked my heart on something, even on the deliverance team, I was at the altar. But many believers got tired of sin. What they wanted was physical healing. Because there was a powerful healing evangelist and others going around the United States. And there was a lot of sick people in the church. They wanted that. They didn't want to keep hearing Steve talk about sin. Change your life. Get right with God. But that was Steve's job. I got the message. So Jan worked hard. She would read eight books, go to church seven nights a week, watch movies, read the Bible, pray, Very little rest during these years. 
So Jan worked hard and kept up with her spiritual learning and studying on how to help people the Lord's way and help them, Jan began doing. So this story, It's Time, begins in 2007 when the spiritual identity transition began. Jan was told by God himself that she was in spiritual transition to become Deborah. Jan had not, Jan had to die, he told her. So this spiritual transition from one identity to another began as all these things with God and this spiritual creation who was now in a total renewing of its spiritual heart and mind, rebirth, reincarnation, into becoming someone Jan did not know. Deborah. Deborah began with studying who Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, was in the Bible. The meaning of the name, the nature of the name, the essence of the name, the image, the likeness, the character, the purpose of the name, and its spiritual meanings. So, to the strong concordance, I went. Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, in the Hebrew, it's number 1683, 1682, and 1696. It means a judge of Israel. It means God's people, God's prince. A prophetess. It also means number one, the bee, from its systematic instincts. Two, to arrange by words, to speak, to subdue answers, appoint, bid, command, commune, declare, destroy, give, name, promise, pronounce, rehearse, say, speak, be a spokesperson, subdue, talk, teach, tell, think, utter, work. When you are becoming transitioned, I had to go from Jan, my middle name, to Deborah, my first name. I had to study my name. I always ask every cashier just about at Walmart, they have names. I said, do you know what your name means? See, I can tell them my name because I studied it. We have to study the names we're given. Some of our names were given because of ancestors. They don't have good meanings. Like the word Adrian means dark lord. We have to look back into history to see what the meaning of our name is. That's right. So then off to the Bible, the authorized King James Version is the one I use because there's no commentaries in it. 
four scriptures of Deborah and who and what her name meant and what her spiritual purposes were. You have to study your name. Names are vital to understand. They mean our nature, our essence, our image, our likeness, our purpose. They give us guidance on who we are, what we are, what we're to do, our character, our identity. Many people don't know what their name means or the relationship to the Bible or to history or other cultures they haven't studied. So the first scriptures I went to was Judges 2, 7 through 18. And we'll read a few scriptures and then we'll finish this video for today. Verse number 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Verse 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. Verse 9. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timoth, Harris. I probably didn't say that right. In the mountain of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaah, Gaash, something like that. I'm not real good at Hebrew. Verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. Means they passed away in death. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. From one generation to another, something happens. The generation of Joshua and the elders coming out of Egypt they knew young kids who were born in the wilderness knew nothing about that so a new generation came up that did not know the works of the Lord in helping Israel in the wilderness or helping them come out of Egypt and how they got settled in Israel how many of God's people are like this generation knowing Nothing of the Lord and his great works, which he had done for his people, of the new birth of Christ Jesus. Many of you don't know. You're in religion. You're stuck at the door with his name, Jesus. You won't go in and meet the Christ. You won't let the mind of Christ rule you. You let a denomination, you let other parts of it get to know the Father, get to know his kingdom, study where you're from, the kingdom of heaven, 
study our history. God is showing a lot of this to us in the flesh. Verse number 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal and served Baalim another god besides the Lord a god of the people who were still left in the promised land verse number 12 and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger verse number 13 and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth Verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, defiled them, polluted them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies, gave them up that were round about them, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies that was history we have to study this is a spiritual picture of a born again believer being turned over to satan and his demons to the torment of the fear of death to sickness and disease to the world and its rulers of lust and coveting and greed and selfishness and death for having other gods than the one true god for forsaking the lord of their salvation in their spiritual hearts minds the lord's city of peace that he wanted inside of humanity the new jerusalem verse 15 where so ever they went out whatever they did the hand of the lord was against them for evil as the lord had said that as the lord had sworn unto them and they were greatly distressed god was trying to take a people and form them and shape them into his own children his own people with himself as their only god they were flesh creatures the cross had not happened and he was having a hard time verse 16 nevertheless the lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled and defiled them and polluted them even though god got mad at his people and he still does their children but to him he has to turn them over like send them to their room without their dessert give them a spanking 
take their toys away, their privileges. God has to teach our flesh to obey. Because most believers are just flesh believers. Unbelievers are completely flesh believers. So the Lord raised up judges, which would deliver them out of the hand of those that defiled them. If you're listening to voices that defile and pollute you spiritually, corrupt you, tell you lies, you need a judge to come in and set you free. And I want to stop right here in this part. You have to understand the Old Testament. It was a shadow, God trying to work with our flesh. We had lost the Holy Spirit, so we were trying to understand spiritual things in our soul. Wasn't going to work too good, but God was trying. If you ever tried to raise a child up when they were children and infants, they don't listen very well. Their mind is not thinking yet, They're but children. And you have to deal with them as children. Sometimes you have to spank them. Take their privileges away. Send them to their room. You try to teach them and they don't listen to you. And bad things happen. So God was in that kind of situation with his new people that he had brought up out of Egypt. They were his promised people. He was going to start over and build a nation that were his. He had tried to do that in the garden with Adam. didn't work out. So he was trying again. So here we are. We've got some a new generation. Call them the younger generation. We did not know the story, the history, did not have the connections to this God and his ancient works. And they started worshiping other things, other gods, than what their ancestors did. So they got into trouble. And God said, okay, you want to keep acting like this? You don't want to listen to me? You don't want to listen to your elders? Okay. Sending you to your room. I'm going to lift my hands of protection off of you. And the enemy's going to come in. And hopefully, that will help. Sometimes, we, some of us have to have near-death experiences. We have to be right there on the edge before we wise up and understand what we have been told. Sometimes it takes lots of experiences for us to realize we have to grow up, quit being so childish and greedy and wanting our way and angry. So in the story called It's Time, I'm having to study history. Deborah was a judge that came on the scene to help the people. That's what the name Deborah was. That's her first entrance into the Israelites. And so I had to learn this. I had to study the history of Deborah in the Bible. I had to study what a judge was. I had to go slow 
and I recognized, like I said, I was not the first called to help people in multi-generational Satanism, to have a powerful spiritual ministry, because the first one got too afraid. And in the volume two that you're going to hear the personal stories, you're going to see, no wonder she was afraid. Life and death was always there for me. It was things happening you would not believe. Not even a lot of your motion videos, science fictions, even understand it. I had no knowledge of it as a mental health counselor. But slowly, I entered into the work of the Lord, helping people the Lord's way. Jan began it. And then Jan had to die. And Deborah, the judge, the powerful leader, had to arise. So I want to stop right here with this part of the story. And you can see me starting to get into how Deborah came on the scene as a judge to help the Israelites who were far away from God, who had no knowledge, no experience with this God that their forefathers had. So that's where we're going to end today in this spiritual transformation of Pastor Deborah. So I want to encourage you. All of this is taking place inside here with my spirit and my soul. But I was having spiritual experiences and physical experiences. You'll hear the stories that you've already heard some of them uh, in some of the other stories that are here on this playlist called The School of Light. I didn't talk much to people when I won't go through things. I keep my mouth shut at every test, everything I'm learning. I'll write down. But I'm always looking for God to show me shadows, examples saw a beautiful one in a Chinese historical drama where a father was handing his daughter's hand to her husband. And at that moment, it just showed the hands. And it, the father was saying to the husband, I entrust my daughter to you. What God immediately revealed to me was that is what God the Father right now, he has the church as his daughter he is protecting them, growing them up. And at the proper time, he will pass the church, his daughter, into the hands of his son, Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus and the church will come to a new land, new earth, and start a new relationship and grow the family of God. And that was in just watching hands exchanged at a wedding. The tears of the father because his daughter had grown up. The church is seen as a female. She is to be given to the Christ. Right now the Christ sits on the throne as a prince. He is learning. He is working. He had. He was sent into battle onto earth in a dirt body named Jesus. He had to fight a war. He had to sacrifice himself to be worthy of having this bride. 
Now he sits there. He's working. He's traveling. He's going in dreams and he's in visions. He's he is not just sitting there. The church is still in the father's hands as a young girl, so to speak. Maybe a little one, five, six years old, maybe. She's growing and learning. That's right. I mean, this is what Pastor Deborah gets these pictures of what is really going on in the realm of the Spirit with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What is really happening? I have to understand. So when I read the Bible, I have a better understanding. But at this time, I went through these experiences. I remember God telling me he's chosen me because the first one declined. He had a job to do. He needed somebody. And my heart had been crying out to him to help you. Yes, you. You think just because you don't go to satanic meetings or you're maybe not a witch or you're not a someone who does witchcraft, you might be a crown prince, king of an Arab nation. You might be a part of president of the European Union or United States or a politician or business leader. That's right. I had to learn about you. I have to study kingdoms and empires, businesses and war and generals, kingdoms. I have to understand the knights, the generals, the wars, business. I have to understand power and authority, greed, lust. have to understand a lot to help you the Lord's way so let's end right here dear Heavenly Father we thank you for those that have watched today that they've learned a little bit more about Pastor Deborah's arising and the death of Jan in the story of a spiritual transformation called it's time thank you that we are going slow so that people can understand this powerful spiritual experience that Pastor Deborah went through and has come out of victorious. And as Pastor Deborah walked through the jewels and the light into the light, Jan was being slowly left behind, dying and giving way to Deborah. Father, help them to see this has to happen to them. They might call it reincarnation, rebirth, transformation, healing. But we thank you, Father, that you are at work through this story called It's Time. Reach out to them. Help them understand how you work and how much you love them. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. All right, I'll see you on the next part of the story called It's Time. We'll get through it. It's going to take a while. And then we'll get on to another part of Volume 1. 
eventually we'll get here, hopefully here and uh, soon to volume two. A lot of powerful true stories. And some of them are going to shock you, be unbelievable, and we'll have to go slow. All right, I'll see you on the next video of It's Time. Bye.